Hello and welcome to another episode of That CI Podcast, That Creative Industries Podcast. As usual, my name is Ash and I will be your host for this episode. Today I'll be discussing everything comics with Steph Hum, who is a PhD student with the University of Nottingham, studying value in the UK comics industry. Before we get started, as usual, if you'd like to support the show, if you'd like to support the website, if you'd like to support the newsletter, uh, you can support us in a number of ways. First of all, you can jump online and follow the account on Twitter. Secondly, if you like the show, you can leave a review wherever you happen to find this podcast. It really does make a difference. Finally, if you're feeling generous, you can head to patreon.com slash thatcipodcast where you can become a regular monthly supporter. Okay, that's all the bookkeeping. As always, I began my chat with Steph Hum by asking who she is and what she does. There's a lot to that question. I think that that's, that's true of everybody now. Um, I, I guess for the purposes of this conversation, I'm a, a first-year PhD student at the University of Nottingham. Um, I'm studying um, broadly uh, value in comics, which sort of covers cultural and economic value in ways that I haven't quite figured out yet um and I'm also a comics journalist I run a magazine um which is currently being revamped with a rename like new name and everything so if I give you all the details it won't be relevant by the time this comes out but formerly uh ink mag uh yes what is a comic these days okay um that's a great question one that I don't necessarily have the answer to um yet because there's a lot of different definitions and people talk about um comics in different ways a lot of comic studies looks at the graphic novel um as a specific type of comic because it's easier to define i think but so you've got you've got kids comics um on magazine stands like the beano um and things like that they still count um, I think I can find a definition that I sort of use, um, which is Scott McLeod. Have you heard of him? He did a few books, a series of books um, on sort of talking about what comics are and how you read them and things like that. And his definition is um, that comics are juxtaposed pictorial and other images in deliberate sequence intended to convey information and or to produce an aesthetic response in the viewer. Uh, how did you get into the the comic uh, studying business? I Okay, I used to work as a bookseller at Waterstones. Um while I was finishing up my master's on um, in multimedia journalism and I left my, um, what's it, final project, I left that for another year because it was all very stressful um, and nobody should have to do a master's in a year, we should do the European model. Yeah, so I left my final project and in that year um, I was working and doing various things and I sort of started reading comics which I'd never read before um, apart from a few bits when I was a kid, but I hadn't read them before because the section is so overwhelming um, that you don't really know where to begin. You don't know how to find what it is that you're looking for, the sort of literature that you're interested in. I had no idea what anything was. And um, if you're looking at superheroes, which is a lot of what is on the shelves, there's no clear entry point because they get rebooted a lot. You have to do some research, basically, and... Um, 
yeah, it was scary. So I had I wasn't like against them or anything, but I'd never read them before. Um, I bonded with some people over how cool comics are in that year. And then um, for my final project, I had to produce a magazine. And because I got interested in comics and had been writing about them for some other uh, websites and stuff, uh, I decided to do my magazine on broadly uh, comics, which talked a bit about the industry as well as the text themselves. Um, and then a few years later, I, I wandered in to meet my supervisor uh, for the first time, my now supervisor for the first time, saying like, oh, I'm thinking about doing a PhD. Um, can you talk to me about your department? My BA was in TV production, so I went to her um, to talk about doing a, a TV PhD of some kind. I was hopelessly naive and had no idea what I was doing. Um, and she saw that I was running this comics magazine, which I kept on doing after I finished my MA. And she was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, all the people in the industry, that could be a really interesting industry study. Um, you should you should go here. And so I did. And now I go there. I'm actually a failed academic, so I understand that oh, this, really? is a, yeah, this is a very fluid area. But mm -hmm. at the moment, what is your PhD about? Um, it's already been about five different things. Um, right. I started on, in October, so I'm about nine months in. Um, and I applied with the idea of doing something to do with diversity in the UK comics industry, because everybody that I spoke to in the year leading up to that for my magazine, um, and I'd asked them, you know, what's the biggest issue in comics right now? And everybody was talking about diversity. And I was like, cool, that could be cool. Um, it pushes a lot of funding buttons and stuff. So, <laughs> so we, right. we did that. And then um, I was a bit lost once it came to actually starting that and looking at what that study might be. So um, a friend of mine recommended that I start with what makes me angry, um, which is really good advice because you realise right away what you're interested in. And it was really about how how comics are so inaccessible, essentially, um, and maybe because of that, or maybe, uh, I don't know whether it's like uh, how the cause and effect works exactly, but they're not thought of uh, as very prestigious art, which is obviously insane. Like if you actually just pull anything off the shelf and you look at just the art and you put that up on the wall, you'd be like, that's really good. Um, but for some reason, combining it with words um, in this panel sort of format people don't think of it as art and I still see people on reddit mainly having these conversations about how um you know comics are for children and it's it's not real storytelling and I was like why why aren't they legitimate um and there's been some work done around it um my angle I suppose is um looking at creative labor and how the people who produce comics, distribute comics, and um, reception is the third section, which is not to, I'm not going to do an audience study because that would be too big, but I'm going to look at um, people who review comics, people like myself, um, and the sort of awards and stuff that we've got to, to judge them, um, and how prestige or cultural value or what have you is um, constructed by creative labour practices. It's connected to 
the the actual media workers and 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 there's a relationship between how much we value the people doing this thing and the thing yeah um not even necessarily yes how we value them but also how they um how they do their jobs and why they do their jobs and how the way that say somebody distributes somebody else's comic um then feeds back into the way that the next person's comic will be made depending on who's seen it um where it's been allowed to go uh whether it gets turned into a summer blockbuster or what have you so i'm sort of looking at the life cycle of comics in terms of um the workers yes yeah, so i i'm just really interested in the way the product is affected by each stage of of how people interact with it and how it's put on shelves the one of my case studies is looking at waterstones because i ran the comic section at one of their stores uh for a bit and so i know a lot of the shelving practices and i know how you know much time people have to devote to um writing out recommendation cards and and just things like that that um that can affect who then sees a comic and then how it's talked about publicly and then who else sees it um it's a lot of circles i think mm so uh, a lot of actors each doing small things that cumulatively have a big impact on how things you know how how a product moves around in society and, w- and what we do with it exactly and what sort of industry we have as well because the uk comics industry is a really difficult um area to pin down in some respects it has part of the industrial model of publishing um with traditional publishers and uh, creators who then pitch or whatever to agents or to publishers get commissioned and then it goes through all of that process but the majority i would say the vast majority in my experience of people who are creating stuff aren't going through that process and don't necessarily want to and so there is a cottage industry there as well it's difficult to say whether it's the same industry or a separate one what is the state of play in you know, the british comics industry i i've been to several you know makers markets and zines fairs and 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 indie comic book festivals and stuff like this and what does the indie side of the spectrum look like the indie side is really interesting because it doesn't make a lot of money um and as i'm sure plenty of studies have shown um the people that get to make stuff tend to be the people who can support themselves and make stuff um and the outcome is not necessarily you, not all of the creators necessarily want to be traditionally published and become mm. rich and famous and that is what that they want i mean most people in comics are indie in the sense that they freelance out a lot and do you know you might have someone that's working as a cartoonist for the guardian once a week but who also is making their own graphic novels and then they'll make a couple of zines and they'll take them to a fair some people make short comics with the hope that eventually they can afford to turn them into a graphic novel and then sometimes they get picked up for like netflix specials um mm. and things like that so it's not really easy to pinned down but those events are particularly interesting the major ones like i guess the biggest one in the uk if you're not talking comic con um is thought bubble which is a comics and illustration festival which happens in leeds every year and that's got so big um that they've had to move to like their own site in harrogate instead of it being just around the city 
And the sorts of people that you'll see there are vastly different. You'll have some people that are selling prints um, of their own characters or like fan art and stuff like that. People will sell any size comics from like tiny, smaller than your hand, little flip books. Um, diary comics are quite popular as well. So you can have somebody selling their graphic novel, but they also have a zine that they made. And then they, they do um, Twitter challenges where they're like, okay, this month we'll, we'll draw a mermaid every day. And then they'll sell the products of that, then there's stickers and badges and all sorts of merch. Like, it's amazing. You can't go with less than £300, I don't think. And on the opposite end of that, end of that spectrum, in the more business-oriented or, I guess, commercially-oriented mm-hmm. larger presses, what does, the, what does the British comic industry look like? What's, what's going on there? Um, there's a few publishers that... Um, no Brow One, um, there's Self Made Hero, there's Jonathan Cape, which are owned by Penguin, uh, Penguin Random House, sorry, um, that they publish. It tends to be graphic novels. Um, the definition of that is in itself really complicated, but I mm. would probably just define it really loosely as it looks like a book, it has a spine, and you might see it on a shelf in a mainstream bookshop. Right, this this graphic novel comic yeah. book division is kind of long-standing, isn't it? And and the the feeling from the outside is that it's sort of it feels like graphic novels are comic books that uh, someone at the New York Times has sort of uh, accepted. That's basically how it happened. Um, so Will Eisner, who is the big comics dude, the Eisner Awards named after him. Um, they happened this weekend. Uh, he he tried to get the term graphic novel mainstreamed in um, the 70s and it didn't work, it didn't catch on. And then publishers... Uh, this was as a word for everything? As a word for... No, I think for, like, full, uh, I guess, comprehensive stories that are told in one book rather than right. a series of trade paperbacks. Right. Um, right. So, like, your your Marvel comics... You wouldn't necessarily call a graphic novel. Mm. Yeah, so he tried to get the term mainstreamed and then publishers picked up on it in the early 90s when um, there was sort of a a comic book renaissance with um, Frank Miller and Batman and Watchmen came out and those sorts of things. They all came out in the 90s, in the early 90s. And um, to legitimise what they were and to get people beyond comics nerds reading them, people, um, the publishers got in touch with the the newspapers, um, the big newspapers and said, you know, call it a graphic novel, um, review it as literature and, and basically trying to tie comics more into literature um, with words like this, like... Um, if you go to Waterstones, um, any of the stores, they have a, a graphic novel section, which tends to be the superheroes, and then they have a graphic literature section. And this isn't the case in every single store. Uh, well, that's one of the things that I'm going to look at is how they use language um, in their signage. But so the the term has been t- there to legitimate comics um and so that we can view them as literature and we can be like oh, okay it's, it's not for children we're allowed to read this too if if your terms of success are that you want to make money and um have the freedom to publish you know whatever it is that you want to do 
um, a lot of people go to the US because there's um, there's pretty good industrial models there. You can go and write for Marvel and DC, or you can go to uh, Image, who allow for the creators to own their own work, but then they publish the books, um, and they have a wider reach. And so part of figuring out what the UK comics industry is, is saying, like, well, if a creator is British, but they're not working here, or they are working here, but they're not exclusively working here, what part of their work is part of the UK industry or not? Um, I know some people have had the same discussions about film um, and TV, especially with co-productions all over the place. It's like, do we have a national identity for this thing? I think in some cases we do, but it's it's smaller. So we've got two comics creators or two illustrators with writing who are part of the Royal Society of Literature. Um, yeah, so Raymond Briggs and Posey Simmons are the only people who do illustration alongside prose um, in whatever form that then takes uh, children's books and comics and cartoons that have been inducted to the Royal Society of Literature. So again, it's this idea of like, well, what does, what is literature? um, And how does comics fit in? Posey Simmons is amazing. A lot of her graphic novels, though, have been um, inspired by classic literature. And so, yeah, there's this tie to this, like, legitimising literature again. This, uh... This Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of boom at the moment. Is this something that is uh, helping independent comic makers or, or hindering them on, on the whole? I don't know that it makes much of a difference to them. Um, right. It's difficult to say. I'm not a creator, but um, it doesn't necessarily touch on what they do. They can, like, if they were particularly good at drawing a particular character, you know, you could do some fan, fan art and stuff like that. I'm sure that plenty of people who are making comics enjoy um the mass media of that as much as anybody else does but it's really different from what they're doing i think what's maybe more interesting is that the amount of um hollywood films that come out that are based on comics that people don't know are based on comics there's a lot of media that is um inspired by comics that people don't necessarily associate with the medium right and i'm sure there's a bit of a boom going on with with companies like Netflix purchasing the rights to to make the film adaptations of of lots of stuff. I I assume that's happening anyway. Oh, definitely. I mean, recently um, Umbrella Academy was one Mm. that has just come out. Um, They had their their whole Marvel ream before Disney decided that they want to deal with that themselves. Um, And Daredevil, its latest season, was like the highest viewed whatever on netflix for the time that it was on you study cultural value uh of the uk comics industry uh lots of things going on there lots of key words uh yeah. so i was just wondering if you could kind of just just break it down and, and 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 walk us through what you're thinking about the question at the moment and, and where you're at okay so um the thesis is split into three sections four if you count the introduction and literature review part where I'm going to look at production and then distribution and then reception but the first case study will be indie creators and so my thoughts around that at the moment are what does that mean isn't that everybody I need to figure that out and so I'll be talking to 
a lot of them about their processes um, and trying to figure out what their terms for success are. I think that that's going to be important. Um, just looking at who is making comics and trying to build up um, an idea of what the UK industry looks like so that we can have a map to start with. And yeah, just figuring out what their, what their practices are and how they go about promoting themselves um, and to what ends, you know, which models of publishing that they sort of want to go down if they want to do that at all. And basically, how do they work? And, and hopefully that will reveal something um, about value and value construction. Then the distribution phase, which is what I've thought about the most. Um, and so I'm going to be looking at the Waterstones chain as the kind of only chain in the country now that they've just bought foils. Um, there's Blackwells as well, but they tend to be more academic and um, attached to universities. And then local comic book shops to see what their practices are, how they um, market throughout the store, what the people working there think of the comic section, who aren't the people that work in the comic section. When I was running a comic section myself um, with someone else, we were both female and uh, people didn't like that uh, you'd, you'd sometimes get Jeez. big men coming in wanting um, to talk to somebody about comics can I get a comics recommendation sure um, and we would be the ones to talk to and that was it, it was right next to fantasy and sci-fi as well and that was where we were shelving and that was what we were mostly knew about yeah you'd get people like looking over your head and is there a man I can talk to <laughs> um yeah, it seems unbelievable, um, but this was only a few years ago. Yeah, so I just want to look at like um, things, like I said before, like the how the language of marketing, how the recommendation cards are used, which books are even in the stores, like which publishers are represented. I will look a bit at other kinds of distribution models as a comparison, but one really interesting type of way of publishing comics um, and books in general is through Unbound, which is a crowdsourcing kind of site, but it has a team of editors um, and stuff behind it. So essentially they tell you how much you need to raise to sort out your product, uh, yeah, your product, and um, then you raise it and then they create it for you. So it's less of a self-publishing model than kickstarter say because you don't have to then find your own printer and all of those aspects that is all done then in-house right and then the third is reception yeah that will be looking at um kind of how we judge comics externally once they're out there in the world um who is represented at thought bubble for example um who is there as a guest and hasn't had to pay for their table and who has decided to be there and to exhibit um, who is giving big talks about stuff and who isn't. <laughs> um, and, yeah, then awards that are attached to a lot of these conventions and stuff um, and the very minimal newspaper and magazine coverage that we have. The word value is is super pivotal to a lot of the conversations that are going on because there is a kind of perpetual to and fro between those people who think it's important to frame these industries financially mm -hmm. as a way of a way of demonstrating that 
you know, there are real jobs to be had here and maybe they should be, you know, nurtured and, and, and helped. Yeah. And, and those people who think that we lose something uh, when, we, when we consider these only in kind of economic economic terms um i wonder is this 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 like you know the multiple meanings of value is this something that that you've you've looked at yet in relation to comics there is an element of economic value that has to be taken into account um even just to say this is what uk comics is uh, as a, a creative industry um you need to say you know this is how much money it makes and this is roughly how many people are working in it and things like that, um, just for context. But actually the figures are really hard to get. Mm. Um, publishers don't release things for, <laughs> um, <laughs> to tell us sort of what they're making and what they're selling and, and stuff like that. Um, and if they do, like as part of the bigger publishers, it tends to all be, it, you don't get specific. Um, so yeah, it's hard to judge economically. But clearly there are jobs um, and there is money to be made. Otherwise, uh, the Arts Council wouldn't still be funding uh, these big festivals and what have you. But I'm less interested, just from a personal point of view, uh, in economic value because I don't think that that should be what matters in a lot of the things that we do. And that includes, you know, academia in general and all sorts of places. Um if money is the the end goal, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I then don't know what it's for. So, yes, I'm much more interested in cultural value. And that's where you get into our friend Pierre Bourdieu. <laughs> is this a sector that, that uh, the, I guess, the British government and, and, and cities are, are supporting? Or, or is, it, is it feeling a little bit neglected at the moment? Um, it depends which area, because... I know a lot of people who have received funding via places like the Arts Council. A lot of other people fund themselves through donations and stuff. But um, there's there's large areas where comics are really useful. And I think there's, there's definitely people doing studies into how you can use comics um, just to spread information. And, I mean, that happened a lot during the Second World War. There was a lot of propaganda spread that way. But now there's a lot of graphic medicine it's called, hmm. um, where people are making comics in order to talk about health problems and to transmit information in a more accessible kind of way, um, taking into account the various uh, literacy skills that people have. Um, it can be easier to read a comic. Then sometimes it can be harder. <laughs> so I know of a lot of um, people who have written around or are looking into, um, you know, comics as waiting room literature and how to talk to your doctor about xyz and oh you've got this diagnosis here's what it might mean for you kind of thing um and i think that's really important it's not what i'm studying but i do think it's really important when it comes to uh the uk comics industry if you were to take out a crystal ball uh what are the trends uh, that you see happening in in the future what does what do comics look like in the uk in uh, in five to ten years um these are conversations that have been happening, actually. Um, I went to a talk recently by Roger Sabin, who is, like, the main comics guy, really, um, in the UK. And he's, like, the nicest person in the world. And he put out a few questions to the audience um, as, like, talking points. Like, how much should we 
be pushing to have uh, comic studies departments, for example, at university, so that, um, like, I'm not doing comic studies, technically, I'm doing critical theory and cultural studies, Mm. Um, but, you know, having a comic studies department after I've done a PhD that is essentially comic studies might give me somewhere to go if I wanted to carry Mm. on uh, studying comics. It would create jobs, but then there's so much about comics that a lot of things that have been achieved have been done on the underground kind of thing um, as like a radical counterculture kind of form that does does having more bureaucracy around it do we lose something there like so these are kind of the debates there's a comic studies MA that's starting in London I'm not 100% sure which university it's at but I think it might be UCL and that's amazing like that there's actually going to be places, because there's a few courses around the country. Um, Dundee is important. That's where the Beano started. And they have comics production courses. Some of my friends who are younger than me have done those. And 10 years ago, they wouldn't have been able to. They would have had to do some kind of other art qualification and pissed off their fine art tutors um, <laughs> by, by, making by making comics. Yeah, and I've had plenty <laughs> of those conversations as well. So, yeah, I think that things are moving forward. I think that they're going to be more accessible. But I also think that there's things that we can do to help it along, um, which is partly why I'm interested in looking at how they're marketed in bookshops and stuff. If you go and look at just a a general bookshop uh, comic section, there's no coherence to how it's shelved in a way that's easy to browse. You have to know what you're looking for. Um, a lot of them are sorted by title, so people's work isn't even together. There's questions of authorship because you've got multiple names on a comic sometimes. And so is it the writer who gets credit on the shelf um, because they're the first name on the book? And there's like so many, so many arguments you could have about it. But ultimately, I don't think that it's easy for just anybody to walk into a comic shop and um, not a comic shop, sorry, into like a general bookshop, whether that's a chain or an independent, and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to read this comic. Because you don't, you, there's no distinction. You can't see what's uh, fiction and what's non-fiction, and you can't see what's fantasy and superheroes or what's like a grounded YA kind of um, slice of life kind of thing beyond the cover design and what is recommended to you. So five to ten years, uh, do you think that uh, it'll be more likely to walk into a general a general bookshop, go to the comic section, and then go to let's say the 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 young adult or the the slice of life sort of shelf? What I would prefer to see actually is that most of the comics section is destroyed um, <laughs> and split up around the shop because. Right. Um, in my local Waterstones, um, I don't know about anybody else, but they don't even have a they don't have a biography section anymore. They have a a memoir and biography is related to wherever it is in the shop. So if you go to the music section, you'll have music biography there, for example. I think that if you're looking for a comic on gender studies, it makes sense to go to the gender studies section of the store. Right. Because as we've said, <laughs> um, it's not a genre. So it being shelved as a genre next to sci-fi and fantasy, it pigeonholes it and nobody's going to look there if they don't know what the possibilities are. But crucially, do you think this will happen? I don't know. Um, I hope so. 
but I don't know. Uh, it depends really on who's running things then and how they relate to the section. Um, the section, in my experience, doesn't do very well. Uh, a lot of stuff gets stolen <laughs> um, because you can sell it for reasonably high prices if you're getting uh, some of the fancier stuff. Uh, or it just gets damaged because these books are really heavy and they're on massive shelves and they all fall over because they're thin and won't stand up by themselves. Um, <laughs> and so it doesn't necessarily make a lot of money, but, you know, is somebody going to be there to invest in it and say, like, we need to make this a bit more accessible and then people might buy the stuff. Is there anything uh, that that we particularly have, have missed that you that you wanted to, to talk about? Is there anything that people always get wrong? And I'm sure I've probably made all of those mistakes. <laughs> but is there anything that people get, always get wrong about your research that you just want to uh, just sort of set straight? No, I don't think so. Because people who I'm talking to about my research tend to be people who um, get the nuances. Um, but about comics in general... Um, I guess people are quite close-minded about it um, and that includes within the fandom as well because as a journalist running a magazine I still get gender stuff on that as well like oh mm -hmm. you like this but you're of the female persuasion <laughs> like, yes um, I don't know I, I think that when you've been maligned for a long time um, and this happens in a lot of geek culture, even though it's been mainstreamed now, there's a lot of feeling like you have to prove your knowledge and allegiance and, and whatever and pass a test to be able to be part of the community. Um, but that's not really the case in UK comics because it's not geeky. Like a big trend in um, UK comics right now is graphic memoir. And that's not geeky at all. That's people a lot of women talking about like um, important or difficult parts of their life in ways that you cannot do in prose. Like the, the medium allows for different things. That's not to say it's better or that any form of art is better. Um, it's different. And so looking at what you can do with, I'm hesitant to say language of comics, but let's go for it. The language <laughs> of, um, of comics is, is stuff that can change people's minds about things and and comics has always done that and I, I just find it odd that um that people dismiss it so easily i just think that people are missing out on some really amazing ideas um by not giving it a go